Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Steve Burdett, and I lead Nielsen IQ Brands Bank from a group commercial perspective. And look, firstly, welcome back to our new podcast, Let's Talk E-Commerce, our video podcast series that will give you a full view on Omni shopping around the globe. To start, I would like to introduce Marcelina uh, from the Data Impact team. Marcelina, did you want to explain what you do? Uh, sure. Hi, Steve. Hi, everyone. I'm Marcelina Fettuschen. I'm a Customer Success Director at uh, Data Impact by Nielsen IQ. Uh, so my main uh, objective is uh, to help CPGs win in, on a digital shelf uh, using the most granular location-based data. I'm very excited to be here today. Actually, we're combining two of my favorite things, uh, which is e-com and podcasts. So very happy to be here. Cool. So look, today, guys, we are going to talk about how to optimize your digital shelf lookouts while putting your products online. And look, I think for me, the first place that makes sense to start is what is the digital shelf uh, and, and why is it important to work on that? So Marcelina, I didn't know if you wanted to kick us off. Sure. Um, so I like to think about digital shelf as a, a touch point where shoppers can uh, research, discover and, and purchase uh, products. So anything that is a website, a marketplace, an app, uh, and, and even social media platforms, uh, I think, uh, can these days um, act this, as digital shelves. Um, to, why is it important? Obviously, we know that e-com has uh, gained in importance in the last few years thanks to the COVID pandemic. pandemic and um, these days, shoppers are not really limiting themselves to any uh, channels. They're cross-channel shoppers, so brands have to be present uh, everywhere they can be. Uh, and together with this shift, we've also seen um, the store-based model becoming the new standard. So that omni-channel shift where physical stores become picking centers, uh, uh, really necessitating that localized uh, uh, data uh, for, for runs these days. Yeah. And, I, I was going to say it's interesting, actually, because you make the connection between the evolution of um you know, online and offline kind of within the same sentence almost. And, you know, I think we see that too in, in the sense that, you know, historically we had potentially a, a more sterile uh, digital experience for consumers. And actually, to your point, the evolution that we've seen over the previous few years means that, you know, brands and retailers are spending a huge amount of time optimizing what's referred to as the, the digital shelf. But also that I think is then influencing the experience and the innovation and, and ultimately the experience that consumers are they're having in the store as storytelling builds and you know narratives are constructed. So I think it's really interesting that you make that connection. Absolutely, I think also the uh, you know the amount of data that we can gather from from digital shelf itself, right? Uh, so things that you guys do in the in uh, brand back also ask for in uh, at data impact in terms of uh, the analytics and and possibilities that uh, uh, are opening here I think it's it's a fascinating space to work on yeah, yeah. I, I would completely agree and 
I think to your point, the the digital shelf for me, uh, and, and that you've summarised it really eloquently. But I think it's made up of you know an ecosystem of touch points that could relate to the direct to consumer website, could relate to traditional retail, could relate to marketplace, could relate to social media, and I think the the focus and the structure of the content that consumers are engaging with irrespective of the channel that they're shopping within has become really really important not just from a conversion perspective but from a a consumer trust perspective from a credibility perspective when trying to drive loyalty and i think um to your point that the data that can be aggregated around that customer journey that can be random it can be different it can be disconnected at times is something that is of huge focus um within the the client base that we see at brand bank and i'm sure that you guys see it as data impact yeah definitely um one other thing that comes to mind i think we briefly uh, chatted ahead of uh, of this uh Recording this, uh, Steve, is something that you mentioned yesterday about interactivity and and how um, the digital space offers like so many new possibilities to brands in terms of how they can present themselves to shoppers. Yeah. Um, I think you talked about different types of messaging and and uh, things like this. I don't know if you wanted to elaborate a bit more. I think that was really yeah. interesting. Of course, I think the 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 data that we are seeing and the conversations that we're having as brand bank historically focused on discoverability to to and i say historically discussions are of course still paramount to what we do in regards to making sure that your product is performing well from a search ranking perspective and that you make sure that as a brand that you're hitting the minimum expectations that retailers have from a content specification perspective but you know what what we're seeing more and more and, and this actually also can, can involve retailer private label product assortments is that, you know, we're using or, or we're seeing the use of product content placeholders, not just used to drive uh, an agenda in terms of click, click through, add to basket. It, it's about building a story regarding the brand's environmental, social kind of governance programs. It's about ensuring that the, the the initiatives such as farm to fork the the programs around um marine stewardship we're, we're seeing so much content aggregated within really the same amount of real estate as has always been available in terms of below the fold back of pack content and then also uh the the, the kind of carousel images that are, that are oh so popular so in addition to making sure that images are friendly for multiple devices, mobile optimized, uh, you know, content that you can zoom and engage with. Where I'm seeing significant uh, evolution and quite fast evolution is how retailers and brands respectively can use content to reaffirm their brand story and, and build a narrative around that, which is which is really interesting with things like health, wellness, sustainability being of such important these days so and again Marcelino, i assume from a from a data impact the the content that is available and the consumer behavior against that product content is creating some really interesting from results from your perspective in terms of either business kpis or or further insight uh, 
definitely, definitely. Okay. Um, so, so could you elaborate? And I would anticipate the next bit will have to that, so I start again. So in light of, of the importance that we've identified, Marcelina, around presence of digital content, the ability to create a narrative around your content to ensure that irrespective of channel content is appearing as you would expect. Can you elaborate for me as to the, the role of accuracy within search, please? Yeah, definitely. Actually, it's one of my uh, my favorite subjects. So happy to, uh, to elaborate here. So um, obviously visibility is super important uh, in any e-com strategy. Uh, we've actually run a study in a beauty category last year where we saw uh, when we compared um, the uplift in sales versus the position of a product on page. And what we saw is really significant double digit gains in terms of sales as the product has moved from the bottom of the page to the middle of the page and then the, the, the top of the of the page results. So uh, these are not just, uh, uh, you know, any insignificant numbers, but actually real life consequences for, for brands and, and uh, for retailers. So in terms of um, what is driving the, the visibility, uh, to me, there's like two sets of factors. So factors that are quite central and will be visible to shoppers anywhere. So you'll be familiar with anything to do with content, product titles, images, ratings, reviews, product descriptions, and so on. But there will be also local factors that will influence visibility. And that will uh, be anything to do with um, what products are stocked in a particular store, whether they are out of stock or not, uh, whether the promo promotion is executed um, uh, well in, in a given store uh, and so on. So um, therefore, from, from our perspective, if you collect data on uh, show search uh, based on a sample of stores, you're really missing out on a, on a massive piece of, of uh, the insights and the data and uh, that should that data should be collected on a on a totality of stores that are uh, that are available um but i think you uh, asked about um how search uh uh what's the role of an accuracy of search and actually one of the uh really interesting case studies that we look at uh in data impact is how uh, search is related to to out of stock and product availability, and what we see is that um, search engines uh, uh, penalize the uh, products that are out of stock, which also obviously reduces your conversion rate, re reduces uh, potentially customer loyalty to your brand, but also that the decreased visibility um, is not only limited to a period of time where the product was out of stock, but actually is maintained for two, even sometimes three weeks after you come back in store. So this halo effect uh, will really be, um, you know, felt by brands who had good visibility before, went out of stock, lost that visibility, and as they come back in stock, they're not as visible as they were before. Yeah, yeah, and and it's and it's fascinating because from where brand bank sits within the ecosystem in terms of ensuring that we work with our clients both brands and retailers to ensure that we have the richest possible information to ensure that that information is successfully distributed and received by by retail recipients we see things like number of images we see the the importance of descriptive product descriptions that touch on the respective 
keywords that retailers are prioritizing within their algorithms. So there's so much work that happens at the front of the process to ensure that when that product content hits that respective retailer, it's in a, it's in an absolutely perfect condition. And again, evolution that we're seeing relates to the, um, the importance of having not just, um, descriptive information for, for all channels, but to ensure that you have descriptive information and potentially unique information for each respective channel and to then hear the impact that an out of stock might then have on brand search ranking and potentially pushing them into the wilderness of page three onwards, right? Without being too flippant is, is, is fascinating because it, it, it's something that is a avoidable, but also something that, that risks marginalizing the work that had been done up front. So it's, it's fascinating for me to see kind of how that all, all ties together. And, and in terms of the engagement that you're having with with your respective clients today, and again, will of course feed into this with with my own perspective. But broad question: how how to win on the digital shelf? What where are the areas that you see your respective clients focusing on right now to try and gain competitive advantage, or to try and you know break into the the top five, top 10 selling categories, uh, brand, sorry, within, within a respective category? Yeah, that's a great question. I think for any, uh, company or, or a team, e-com team starting in this space, I'd say you, you first have to crawl before you walk, before you run, right? So there will be, uh, different things that you have to remember depending on a, on a stage of the, the e-com journey that you're at, but broadly I'd say it's about nailing, uh, three pillars. Uh, and these are to me availability, visibility, and content. So in terms of availability, it's about making sure that the range, uh, is tailored to a retailer, um, that you're working with to a, to a channel that you're working with and that you, uh, your range is, is, um, uh, stocked versus the agreement that you have with the retailer and also that you have your fair share versus competitors, right? So that's the. Uh, that's the important part here, as well as monitoring uh, out of stock um, by uh, location and making sure that your key um, uh, core SKUs uh, are, are highly distributed. Uh, in terms of visibility, uh, we kind of touched on this already a bit, but uh, to me, it's about selecting the keywords that are uh, important to your category that you absolutely need to win on. Um, being relevant, uh, being visible on, on relevant shelves uh, that are uh, uh, visible on retailer websites, nailing the uh, basic in terms of content as well as the distribution aspect. I think visibility nicely combines all those three, uh, all those three things. Um, and apart from those three pillars uh, that I mentioned, uh, I think it's also quite important for teams uh, to think about building uh, certain automations uh, for the processes that they put in place. So for example, if we're thinking about out of stock, uh, how can I get notified quickly about out of stock and my products being out of stock in a certain location? What process do I need to put in place so that the relevant teams react, react quickly and uh, address it with the retailer? Uh, and on top of the automation, I think it's about building uh, uh, wider knowledge within the business, right? The e-com often is a, 
a space that does not belong to a single team, but actually it's a cross team effort. And how do we make sure that we break the silos within the business, that we potentially KPI e-com across different teams to make sure that everyone's working together towards uh, that goal? Yeah, yeah. I think the final point is is one that's really, really important. I, again, I'll rewind slightly. Um, you know, we we saw e-commerce, digital, um, you know, those those respective functions siloed within an organization. And, and I think the integration of those, those business processes and business functions into the existing organization is something that, that in my opinion, supports ultimately the, the, the successful delivery of, of, of respective KPIs within the, the digital shelf to, to give you an example where again, our data shows that, that a number of brands are, uh, are focusing right now is how they can almost run the, the digital and the, and the physical processes concurrently. So reality states that as soon as a product piece of artwork is, is signed off, you know, there is no reason that, that that content couldn't at that point be digitized, you know, week minus 15 and then some which really gives you as a brand the ability to have an e-commerce ready product significantly upstream which then when i refer back to the fact brands are using content to storytell they're focusing on respective uh, retail specific content we're focusing on retail partnerships to help drive conversion it gives you more time to to work on those more aspirational and, and experiential consumer experiences rather than get the product all the way through the process and then sort of consider the impact that that, that an e-commerce process might then have. So to integrate as far, far upstream as possible within the process as a, as, a, as a content service vendor to then support with the experiential nature of the content and talk about how we can drive uplift at the point of click-through is, is something that we're seeing happen more and more as, as to your point, automation is, is, is becoming a significantly more popular, um, you know, theme when it comes to running those processes, both physical and digital concurrently. Yeah. I really like your point about how we can make everyone in the business, like think ahead of, uh, of the things that will be happening and making sure that we have processes in place that will. Uh, help us do it. I think there's nothing worse than if a company is releasing a new product, it appears on the website, the picture is not there. We're paying for, uh, you know, top page, uh, top search results on the page, but actually it's not going to convince anyone to click on it because the, it, the content wasn't ready on the, uh, on that site. So we absolutely agree with you. Absolutely. And then from a retail perspective, in terms of how retailers are evolving their um, digital shelf capabilities, their e-commerce websites. How are you guys seeing that occur? What are the what are the key things that you're seeing from a retail perspective? Uh, so, for me, there are two. There are a couple of things here. So, one is around uh, the technology side and what retailers can do to kind of improve their their digital shelf. And the second bit is about partnering with manufacturers. So in terms of uh, systems or, or technology, 
uh, I think there is a scope for retailers to um, improve uh, connections so that manufacturers can make changes automatically. I'm, I'm sure that's something that you can uh, uh, kind of elaborate on, Steve. Uh, it's about leveraging new technologies like AI uh, to improve search engines to help plan for assortment, for example, on the local level. Uh, also, sometimes uh, I don't, I'd be curious to hear your opinion, actually, allowing for more flexibility to change certain things like titles on uh, of products and, uh, and, and things like this. Um, and from the kind of partnership perspective, uh, I think it's sometimes e-com teams at retailers are, are relatively small to, to other teams in a business. So they um, should rely on partnering with uh, brands who actually invest in a lot of data in this space and, and do have ideas in terms of uh, improving KPIs of the digital shelf, the uh, availability, taxonomy, uh, search, and so on. And also, again, automation, I think is uh, above yeah. the theme in my answers today, but uh, yeah, allowing like PIM, uh, for example, to manage content and, and things like this. Yeah. But curious to hear your perspective too. Yeah, I think we're, we're again, and have seen for obvious reasons over the previous three, four, five years, significant progress, whereby, again, I focused at the beginning of the call that it was really focused on discoverability and it was making sure that minimum content specifications were, were delivered to ensure that, to your point, products weren't missing images because that triggers the interpretation at a consumer that that product's out of stock, it can't be sold. So if we, I think we've moved past the discoverability phase and where we're saying, seeing retailers make, you know, significant, um, you know, investments and, and, and maintaining significant focus is, is look, it's, it's the optimization of the consumer experience first and foremost. And, and, and the, what I mean by that is, you know, we know, um, through, through our data that the presence of rich media and within the product details page, for example, can drive an uplift from a hand to basket perspective of, of between five to 10%. So that can include videos. It can include the recipe cards. It can, can include comparison tables, things that give the consumer more information. Um, and, and ultimately the brand, the ability, as I've referenced previously to build that story, whether it be provenance, sustainability, or it's, or it's good for you as a, as a consumer. So the optimization, ensuring that there is a large number of images and ensuring that the content is, is complete, comprehensive and of good quality. I, I then think where we're seeing significant progress and Look, we're working really, really closely with a number of different retailers on this. And my colleague, Brooke Bright, I believe has already participated within a, within a pod podcast regarding sustainability trends is retailers are looking to personalize the experience that the consumers have within their platform. It, it's about ensuring that when Steve shops on X retailer and Marcelina shops on X retailer, actually the experiences might be a little bit different. It's about ensuring that I am presented with the products that I, that I have purchased previously, or that I have 
um, not seen, but based on my previous purchasing activity may like. It's about ensuring that the data aggregated through such behaviors enables a more streamlined nav and, and search capability. It's ensuring that actually that data is aggregated in such a way that can drive respected loyalty programs. So again, when I receive a promotion from X retailer and Marcelina receives a promotion from X retailer, it's tailored to our previous habits. And that, that habit is, is based on the behaviors that we've exhibited either within the e-commerce experience or, or actually within the brick and mortar store itself. And it ties into the storytelling. It ties into premiumization of private label. It ties into the fact that actually we know that consumers do react in a positive way when presented with more information. And that might be category specific. We can only have so many images and placeholders for potentially sort of fresh and, and, and categories such as that. But in relation to potentially beers, wine, spirits, health and beauty, baby, as a consumer, you've got within the digital shelf such a huge amount of information to consume, to engage with. It's about how you do that as a retailer within a clean and, 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 and approach that doesn't necessarily overwhelm the shopper. So it's moving from that discoverability great we've got base contents actually how can we take the consumer on a journey without necessarily a huge amount of of of, of kind of effort on their part to find what it is they're looking for so we see that as a, as a real opportunity that retailers are currently assessing have assessed and implemented correctly by the way um others are further along than than some but it's an, an, an excellent opportunity to create consumer loyalty uh, and ultimately the repeat purchase from, from each respective consumer they have. Absolutely. I think there's a nice uh, thing there where we identified three ways of improving digital shelves. So one is the, the customer facing stuff, the personalization, then the technology and then the partnerships with manufacturers. I think that's yeah. a really nice way of looking at it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and with that process being cyclical as well, yesterday's activity yeah. <laughs> not necessarily be be correct for, for tomorrow. And you know, I'm I'm pretty excited to see what 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 happens next and, and where the industry goes from there. It it feels like it's it's at such a point where there's there's such a huge amount of focus and and again, whether it relates to health, wellness, sustainability, whether it's the ability to actually take the fact that that product is suitable for gluten um, or, or celiac, I should say, suitable for vegans. And then actually, like we've spoken about, feed that into the physical experience in store. It's about connecting the journey so that when you visit X retailer, irrespective of whether it's a digital or, or a physical experience, that the, they are of similar experience and, and, their, and their values and their, and their stories are, are connected in such a way. Brilliant. Brilliant. So, um, Marceline, I think, look, firstly, thank you ever so much for your thoughts and for putting up with some of my questions. Um, and for those that are joining, thank you ever so much for, for joining us today. I, look, I hope the discussion that we had was useful. Uh, and in a few weeks, we'll be releasing the next episode of Let's Talk E-Commerce. So any topics that you would like for the business to cover that potentially haven't been covered to date, 
feel free to write in the comments and we'll make sure that someone gets back to you. But look, thanks again, Marcelina. Thanks everyone for joining and we'll see you within our next episode. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.